The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing Good morning, Boston. What's happening? This is Dave, just a guy from Boston that happens to be the host of the Boston Podcast, and welcome to it. Hope you're enjoying your day and your summer. I've been getting some sun, uh, but don't worry, everybody. I've been moisturizing. I think I look decent. Uh, gang, do I look decent? Uh, I got a little bit of color in my face. Nice and tan. Nice Good and tan. glow. Okay. My guests are um, three amazing women who, now listen, now listen, I have to back up before I even tell you who they are. You know how they say mind your P's and Q's, you know, that I need to mind every P and every friggin' Q this morning as I record this podcast because these guys are communication coaches. And so uh, I was up at uh, 4 a.m. doing my uh, uh, lip exercises, T- tip of the tongue, tongue of the lip, sip, lip, sip, uh, and you got, and I'm goofing around, but they're going to tell us, they're going to tell me, um, oh, see, there's an um right there. There's an um right there. I got to, I got to uh, spank myself for that. <clears throat> but um, <laughs> communication <laughs> coaches, by the way, their names are Tori Hollingworth, Lori Schloff, and Deneen. Gra- is it Grabley? Deneen. Uh, Deneen? Grabley, like Grabley. Grab. Easier to remember. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Tori, Lori, and Deneen, welcome. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. Thank, Thank you, Dave. you, Dave. And we will not spank you. <laughs> well, yeah. maybe. Well, yeah. you know, the night is young, as they say. Um, you never know what's going to happen here at Pod 617 in our Westwood Studios, by the way. Yes, that's what we do here. We produce podcasts. If you'd like your own podcast, go to pod617.com. You'll find out how to get started. By the way, these guys are plotting a podcast themselves, and it's going to be called... Wait a minute. Hold on. This requires a, a drum roll for sure. <clears throat> It's a long drum roll. The Speech Queens. That's right. I was going to let you guys do it, but then I thought, how do I pick who gets to say it? And then I thought maybe, you know, they could say, you could say it in unison. And then I thought that would be really stupid. Um, however, <laughs> Laura, you, you, I can see Laurie's chomping at the bit just to make her first point. No? No? Well, I do like talking. <laughs> we all do. We can't shut up. I know. Um, like, ju- and again, just one more uh, preface I need to do before we get started, and that's to tell you about our sponsor, the U.S. Postal Service. The Postal Service is the second largest employer in the United States, offering paid training and ways to move up. Apply today at usps.com slash careers. U.S. Postal Service deliver for the nation. We're going to get all kind of stories about uh, communication and how these these uh, fine women coach up people who need help in their public speaking and speech stuff. And I'm, I keep thinking of the King's speech, which is which is if you saw the movie, uh, my guests are all nodding, saying, "Yep, yeah, that's what we do. We that's what we do." Um, and then later in the show, I'm going to play clips of people giving speeches, like these um, very clever politicians who think they're going to be the next president. Oy, our country's in a mess. Uh, <clears throat> I'm okay. And uh, maybe a few other uh, guest speakers. And we're going to have these guys break it down. So I'm excited. Are you guys excited? 
Super yes. excited. Yes. Last time you were in here, you, we, we had a meeting and we hung out. We got to meet and I got to hear about what you do. You were a little more animated then. In fairness, it was after <laughs> business hours and there was a bottle of wine on the table. Right? So that's, oh, yeah. And then not. Oh, yeah. We got, and we got the coffee flowing this morning. So, Tori, let's, let's start with you. Tell us what a communication coach, right? So, I'm thinking that could be a lot of different things. So, well, thank let's you for asking because. Communicate that, to me yes. what that means. Thank well, you. quite often there is a miscommunication or mm. a misunderstanding as to what we do. Generally speaking, we help people mm-hmm. and we take them to the next level of effectiveness as communicators. That can be through public speaking. It could be through managing teams. It could be through delivering difficult messages or having difficult conversations. Anything to do with leadership. So that last thing you said, even even just uh, giving delivering difficult news. Like, what's an example of that? Like when I have to tell my son that he doesn't get the car this weekend. Like, can we work on that? Yes. Okay. So we all work in in two prongs. The first is the actual messaging and the organization of the message Mm -hmm. and then secondly the vocal delivery of the message so for example when we talk about vocal delivery and it's negative we want to use softeners Mm -hmm. you don't just blurt out you will be fired if you don't change what you would say is perhaps the time has come that we might want to consider instituting more performance reviews. Oh, I get it. You're bullshit artists. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, no, no. In fact, no, it's, it's, uh, it's very important to us. I think you bring up a good point that <laughs> we are very authentic. Right. So we don't coach people to be something they're not. We coach them to be the best versions of themselves. Why do we coach people this way? Because we believe if we coach them to be actors or actresses, it will come across as not authentic. Therefore, it will harm their, their ability to lead, to influence, for sure, and to drive. So we always say, find something within yourself. We're going to coach you to be the best versions of yourselves. We are not going to change who you are. Yeah. So, and I think uh, that our all of our politicians, since I brought them up earlier, could use that advice. And I, I think that it's the biggest sin they commit is when we hear them speaking. We think they're saying what they think they're supposed to say rather than what they really feel, you know? And um, I'll Absolutely. use... Don't you think? Uh, well, for sure. And here's the thing. They take us for fools because I can tell you that the listeners key in on that very quickly. Yeah. Through nonverbal communication, through word choice, mm-hmm. through uh, the delivery style, and it's very very easy to spot someone who's not speaking from their heart and telling you what they think you want to hear. Yeah, I think that's why we think we think. Sorry, Lori, I jumped in before you got to make your point. I I'll, had I'll to get, talk <laughs> about Donald Trump. Okay, well, we'll <laughs> I think we'll get. We will certainly get to our commander in chief. Yes, yeah, strangely, he has different problems. That might be one problem he doesn't have, but most politicians have it. I, I'm reminded of John Kerry. Now, I was brought up by a bunch of uh, crazy liberal women. God bless them all. And a few men too, and so Lori's freezing her hand. And so Auntie Lori, yeah, aunt, you, Auntie Lori, right? And uh, so, uh, and yet, uh, my okay. So I'll, I'll, full disclosure. My my aunt is Margie Claprood, who uh, had a nice little political run around here, and then eventually she lost uh, the race. She would have been lieutenant governor if Silbert won. Blah blah blah. Marge was kind of nuts, still is nuts, and really 
spoke her mind, but a lot of our contemporaries would not. Like John Kerry is a guy, for example. Like uh, as a liberal uh, Democrat from Mass, I should John Kerry should be like one of my heroes. But sorry, John Kerry, I don't feel like I know anything you think ever. He's one of those guys that he just talked like those at well. It's you ask him, you know, how do you feel about? You know, um, uh, abortion or, or penalties for rape or whatever. Something that, well, if we look at the history of the blood and blood and blood, it's like, no, tell us what you think, please. So, Laura, you were, you were about to say on this subject? Well, I have comments both about Donald Trump and also John F. Kennedy. Oh, I, boy. Uh, let me start with JFK. It's the first time they've ever been mentioned together in the same breath. Ah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> very funny. Mm. So, JFK is a very interesting example of someone who gave a speech extremely formally. Now remember at that time giving formal speeches was the way to go and there was a real loudness to it which Ted Kennedy had. However, JFK is also remembered for being so Can I do my Teddy? Can I do my Teddy? Please. (coughs) Mr. Romney, the Kennedys did not get into politics for money. We've paid too large a price. Thank you, you are good. Oh, by the way, I have to compliment you in the middle okay. of all Ooh, what this. What did I do? Okay. Yeah. You just have such a great voice. Oh, you don't look so you. hot, but you have <laughs> such a great... He does. He's handsome. Oh. You have such a great voice. Thank you. Face, face for radio, exactly. as I used to say. Exactly. I love yes. it. Well, you know, people say... Some, <laughs> my cousin Eric busts on me. He After he listens to one of my podcasts, he'll send me a text saying... In person, I sound like a normal just guy, and then when I get on, I put on my radio voice. I think it's somewhere in between, but I, I hope it's not. Doesn't sound unnatural, but there are ways to amplify, you know, the bass in your voice or whatever it is, right? Right. Well, we all play roles. When we talk yeah. to a, a two-year-old, we speak differently to the two-year-old than we might when we're giving a presentation at work. And mm-hmm. I have friends from high school, and I totally regress with them, and my pitch gets higher. Right. Yeah. Wouldn't it be funny if you're talking to the two-year-old like, Billy Jr., I feel like you're not paying attention. We That's went We went over the profit report Perhaps from last time. quarter. Yes. Perhaps the time has come for more yes. book reviews. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We've gone over how many stuffies you may have on your bed during the second quarter of 2019. Next quarter, if things are good, we might add one more stuffy, perhaps a rhinoceros. So, um, Deneen, we haven't heard from, from you yet. What can you add to the, uh, the mix as to what your role is when you coach people up? My particular role? Well, what, well, well actually, or, like whatever to, you, or whatever you want to add to this discussion. I actually discussion, like to add sure, to a yeah. discussion yeah. about politicians, if I may. Yes, please do. I find often enough, and I think our listeners can, once they hear me discuss, they can look for it themselves. Sometimes or oftentimes, their body language doesn't match their verbal delivery. Mm. For example, they may say, I will never, ever raise taxes, but they're shaking their head up and down like, yes. <laughs> so they're saying so the, no, but their body language is saying yes. And that's something, too, that we help people. Again, that's being authentic and helping okay. them match the body language with what they're trying to get across. And they don't realize they're doing it? Exactly. Wow. Okay. It's kind of like how to spot a liar. Yeah. So, yeah, you could be saying, I have no doubt that the future of this company is bright and this, like, you know, sweat dripping down your face and mm-hmm. all kinds of other... What... Um, what uh, give us uh, so anyone give us more examples of of missteps of like like flaws like kinks in the armor that you need to sort out Denine you want to go or looks like you got one yeah yeah good I find people when they're trying to get a message across too often they give the listener too much information and we really help them to be much more clear 
and concise. Mm-hmm. You don't need a lot of words to get something across. As you know, was mentioned earlier, we, they still need to be authentic, but really help them you know, get down what's important, what's important for the listener to know, to understand. And on top of that, really, what is your goal? If you are giving a presentation, what is the goal of your presentation? Mm-hmm. If you have a meeting, what is the goal of the meeting? Mm-hmm. Lori, yes. go ahead. You got, I don't have to call on you guys. No, Come on. Right. Speech no, I, can, is, can I build off of that? <laughs> yes, please. Go. Say, sure. It's funny because Talk I'm right seeing into a the trend microphone, though. In, I'm seeing a I'm trend. I'm allowed to coach you a little. Thank you. Go ahead. You got it. I'm Good. seeing a trend in the industry. I've had probably three to five requests in the past two weeks alone for coaching folks on how to deliver information or presentations to C-suite executives. Okay. Because they're going too deep, too long, and not formalized, which is also a Mm. trend we're seeing in the industry in terms of millennials. The lack of formality. Mm -hmm. And then you have kind of this age gap or generational gap where you've got folks who are in their late 40s, 50s, 60s, in these high roles that are being presented to by younger folks and they're, you know, and this could go on and on. I mean, we could have a whole podcast on generational presentation style differences. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, even something as simple as uh, the millennials frequently checking their phone during a meeting or a presentation and that scene is very rude to someone While they're actually presenting? Yes. (laughs) Or, or, you know, just, or in the listening piece while they're co-presenting and they're partners up there and they're checking their phone they seem disengaged yeah that dovetails nicely with what Denine said about your nonverbal communication it actually speaks louder than your words hmm. Hmm. now what if uh, would the millennials push back and say hey sorry you guys had your you had a nice run it's our turn and this is just the way we they talk tend to say well we're, we're multitasking uh, yeah bullshit yeah and so I say <laughs> well are you multitasking well yeah. I think we coaches really have to keep up with the times. Right. So, for example, uh, there may be a millennial who's using their phone or iPad to remind themselves of what to say. So we also have to adjust uh, to changing times. One thing that I notice that people get wrong and, and sometimes coaches get wrong is what kind of um, attitude or approach to take with a particular audience, so meeting an audience's needs. So if we had to divide it into very big categories, does your audience want information, a lot of logic, a lot of you know visuals, or do they need to feel a little more comfortable with you? So you're appealing more to their comfort and um, emotional security. Uh, mm-hmm. Google did a really... A big piece of research. They spent a million dollars saying what we probably all could say intuitively, which is in order for people to feel good in a company, they have to feel safe, secure, and like people are listening to them in meetings. Yeah. So you brought up a couple of cool things there. One, I heard the visual piece. In and this is for anyone on the panel here. Uh, <laughs> in general, what what what. What's your credo when it comes to visual aids versus, um, well, you, you got two extremes, right? You got the people that go absolutely crazy with PowerPoint and everything needs to be a slide, and then you got people who do zero, right? So, what, Denine, you have a. Less is more. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say that because I believe that. <laughs> Why? If you have too much information on the visual aid, and a key thing people need to remember, it is an aid. It's mm-hmm. not the presentation, it's an aid. It's there to enhance the message. If you have too much information on the slide, the audience or the listeners 
are not listening to you, they're reading the slide. And yeah. as a presenter, you want them to listen to you. you. You want them to be hearing your message and getting it across. If they're too busy reading the slide, they're not paying attention. And then the speaker starts to read the slide, his or herself, and then it's like, well, I can read. And Might as well <laughs> exactly. just send out the presentation yeah. well, and be yeah. done with it. Well, and right. Everyone can read it on their own. Like, what, like exactly. If, right. you just, if you just have the, the PowerPoint, people are thinking, why are you even there? Why yeah. is the speaker there? I don't need the speaker. The speaker's yeah. there to make it engaging, to, to get the message across. So what... What's an effective use of visuals then? Can you give us an example? An example would be instead of having sentences, you would just have bullet points and introducing mm -hmm. one at a time. Too often when people put the slide up, they ha they'll have even 10 sentences or, or 10 bullet points. You want to do it, you want to gradually bring it in and talk to each point. Yeah, and that way I guess it serves a purpose because then the, the listener can be like, oh, okay, now he's on point number three and I'm hearing more about that, which... Um, but e but even then, I wonder. I, I guess that would be appropriate for some uh, a talk where you need to get out a lot of content and some of it's detailed, right? Right, and but I find that the the current trend is more uh, pictures, mm -hmm. is, uh, having a nice picture. The TED they talk say, style. Yeah, picture yeah. has a thousand mm -hmm. words. Exactly. Yeah. If you mm -hmm. watch a TED talk, they don't have a deck with all kinds of powerpoints. They may have a few visuals, but you're really listening to them. So yeah. I find people, they want to give so much information and they don't know how to will it down to just have the, the audience really pay t attention to you and your message and just having that one key phrase or picture. And Dave, this is where our coaching really comes in handy yep. because we can work with individuals. And I always say to my, my clients, look, I want you to drive the conversation here or the presentation and the messaging. I want you to be the focus in the room. I don't want the visual to be the focus. You should be the standout here. Yeah. And also, if the PowerPoint or the technology shall fail you, which often happens, you should feel confident enough to stand up and continue without it. That's a great point, because that will happen. I mean, how many times have we seen that happen? Like, you know, all the time, right? Um, but, and what you said is interesting, because I, don't, I would think never underestimate the power of uh, a, a television monitor, <laughs> because... I, I have this thing. I go into. I mean, I was raised by TV. Oh, and also my parents. But you know, I really, but I really um, was a TV head. And to the, you know, this day, if I walk into a restaurant and there's a TV on, I'm going to at least look at it for a little while to see what's going on. And then, you know, God forbid the Red Sox are on, then I'm going to be looking up, you know, about you know twice a minute just to see if I'm missing anything. Um, if if you're giving a talk and you, you know you put something on the screen immediately. I would think what you should know is people are no longer looking at you. And, and um, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to want them to m remember you. I mean, typically, most, most speeches, right? Um, I did a talk once about my son, Adrian. He has autism and just kind of the way his brain works and stories about Adrian. And I had a slideshow running with him. I was kind of okay with that because the whole speech was about him and I didn't have any words up there. So you just kind of get the flavor of what he's all about, which I thought was cool because as I'm talking this way, it gives you a way to visualize him. Um, but I did notice that no one was looking at me the whole time. <laughs> so, um, Lori, you have a thought on that or a philosophy? For, yeah. First of all, I'd love to uh, see your oh, yes. talk about Adrian. And I will show it to you guys sometime, right. for I, sure. I feel like I'm the, the mistress, the queen of research here. So we, we know from the research that uh, a visual image that's moving, like a video, is mm -hmm. the highest level of attention getting. Right. Then comes... Uh, something in person like uh, a human being, then comes a picture, then comes bullets, mm. which 
Deneen was talking about. And the worst form of communication that leads to miscommunication is email. Mm, oh, God. Yeah, and that's a whole podcast, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And visual learners are important for speech coaches to pay attention to because we tend to focus on words. I had a client recently, a man in finance, who wanted to work on being less harsh with his group. He said, Lori, I'm a visual learner. Stop talking. So he <laughs> said... Sounds like he was harsh with yeah, you, Lori. <laughs> I sent him... Exactly. I Draw sent, a picture of him with a big yeah, line through it. Yeah, I sent him a picture of... Um, downy softener, fabric softener. <laughs> I love and it. he said, oh, now I like you as a coach. Because it was, it was a visual. <laughs> right. Something that you want visual, reminded you visual. him to be now, nicer. Now, Lori brings up something I think that is really important to know. And that is each one of us have, has our own style, even mm -hmm. though we all essentially do similar things for a living. Uh, you know, I would never think of doing that. <laughs> really? But then I know I can be a little bit more harsh with my clients I think and Lori yeah. would say oh I don't know strokes, how you could yeah. have said that like you know I just said to a client recently in Manhattan I, I said uh, you talk too much did anyone ever tell you that? oh my god Tori <laughs> you know I can't get away with that <laughs> why is that and this is a guy who never would admit he did anything wrong and he said you know you might be right wow there you go that's a good coach <laughs> he's listening to and we yeah. refer to each other mm -hmm. so for example uh, Deneen's an expert on intercultural communication. Tori mm -hmm. is the queen of group workshops. I do a lot of work with non-native speakers and also specialize in issues that uh, female professionals and executives mm -hmm. face. So what's, what, what's really nice and why we're all the queens together yes. is that we know each other well as friends and also in terms of our expertise as coaches. That's why we're together here with you. I'm glad you said <laughs> Nicely done, Laurie. Good, good preview for. And I wanted to bring. I was. I swear, I was getting ready to bring it home. But you, that's a nice segue. So, uh, Tori, Laurie, and Denine all work for separate companies. But as you can tell, they have a really nice working professional relationship. And the the podcast that we we keep talking about, Speech Queens, coming soon. We're not going to say when. That just adds to the mystery. Um, produced here, pod617.com. So keep checking back, pod617.com. And within uh, who knows how long. Again, it's a mystery. But Speech Queens. So what, and tell us why you want to do the podcast. Anyone can answer what kind of stuff we might hear. We're getting a few nuggets right now, but tell us more. They're pointing at each other. <laughs> That's nonverbal communication. Right. Uh, we love the informality, and <laughs> yes. I think really you make the podcast. Thank you. I think people want to know more about communication. Seriously, and it's not just us saying that. What's more important in everyday life in terms mm. of doing well on the job, having your colleagues and team members uh, like you, being able to be your best self, and I'm saying all this, I really need to work on my husband, but he's not motivated. <laughs> See, in general, we work with people who want to be with us. Yep. And an idea we have, maybe, if you think it's a good one, is focusing on different topics. Yes. Oh, for sure. Like, um, oh, go ahead, uh, Tori. No, I was just I saying yeah. that Lori's exactly correct. And, you know, we here want to help people. We want to give them tips, tools, and techniques that would l make them more impactful, more effective, and build their confidence. 90% mm -hmm. of what makes communication effective is what takes place in your brain before you open your mouth. Mm. Who am I speaking with? Mm. What's the goal? Mm. What do I want them to remember? 
What do I anticipate? How much do they know about this topic? How little do they know? Mm-hmm. What do I anticipate their reaction to be? What would be the best outcome? What would be the second best? And then that builds someone's confidence as they walk in that room. And once the confidence builds, then the ability to be effective is unstoppable. So that was cool. I wish I had written that down, but that's okay. We have it on a uh, uh, digital recorder. Uh, so, so something you said, Dory, jogged something in my mind, and, and I wonder why this happens or what significance it might play to your world. And what I'm running up to here is, have you ever left a voicemail message for someone and then either it didn't work or you had to do it again or it gave you that thing at the end where it says, if you're satisfied with your message, press two. And every once in a while, it'd be like, if you want to re-record, press three. And I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to re-record it. Hit three. And then when I start to talk, I'm saying something complete, not, not substance-wise maybe, but it sounds completely different from how I did it the first time, yes. right? So why is that? Well, you've at, you've heard it, so <laughs> and it sounded a, like shit, and I need to do it again. A self-actualization yeah. in right. that moment, and quite often I find it's it's more about you've realized you've gone in too deep into the you know when you've left a voice message, yeah. you've left too much. You're detail. right. The second one is almost always shorter, more like, succinct, yeah, and and more. Like, why clear. did I bother saying that? It's like it's like. Huh. Hey, um, Jim, it's Dave. You know, uh, just stuck in a little traffic here on 93. I think there's a truck or something over here. And then, uh, anyway, the reason I called is it's like exactly. Jim doesn't give a crap about the exactly. truck. Actually, I actually have a funny story as it relates to what you just said. Go ahead, yeah. So, at one point early in my career, I was at a company and the receptionist had re recorded about 30 times her voice message and each time it got sent out to all the employees. Oh no. Her oh greeting. no. No, no. So it's it, like, "Hello. <laughs> this is Barbara. Hello. This is Barbara. Hello." It was very funny. Oh, don't you wish you would save the recording of that? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I just keep thinking there's there's a scene on The Office, uh, you know, the American version of The Office with Steve Carell where you know, Pam, the receptionist, um, she says, uh, Michael, get um, David Wallace on line one. And Michael goes, David Wallace and Gromit, David Wallace and Gromit. And then Pam goes, uh, no, Michael, still me. I'm about to put him through, okay? And then she, she, then she says privately to the camera, as they do on that show, Sometimes I give Michael a dress rehearsal first <laughs> before I put the actual person through. So, we, and then he inevitably calms down and does it in a yeah, good in advice. A fashion. Yeah, you know they say Deadly. the average attention span. I don't know if I totally be- believe this because it depends on if you're listening to someone who's interesting to listen to, is about eight to twelve seconds, and then your mind wanders. So, I- in the literature, there's a lot of comparison to goldfish. What were we um, talking about? I was just thinking about what I was going to order for lunch. I'm hey, listen, I was BLT. seven seconds. Oh, sorry. No. <laughs> well, okay, okay, so not eight to 12 seconds. I'm demonstrating your point for you. The average attention span is eight, is eight to 12. Yeah, then you might wander unless, unless I was being riveted by the person speaking. In other words, yeah, if you don't catch them in that first window, then they could be gone. Yikes, it's a scary thought, isn't it? It's changing. I'm thinking about that movie Memento where the guy forgot everything after like four and a half minutes and had to oh, start. I have to see that. Start, oh, oh, Memento. Come on, have you guys seen Memento? No. No? no? no. Oh. Uh, unbelievable movie. It's, um, it's hard to describe because it's actually, it's a series of scenes and it's shot in reverse. So the, the first scene you see is actually the last scene in chronologically. And then if that isn't complicated enough, that the, the 
premise of the movie is this guy played by wonderfully by uh, Guy Pierce, Australian actor. He has short. Ter- this actually exists. Short term, he cannot form long term memories. He can only form form short short term memories, which is like somewhere between seven and ten minutes or something he can remember and then he's basically forgotten everything that just happened so what he does is he tattoos stuff on his arm because he's looking for his wife's killer oh it's such a good movie memento all right thumbs up from uh, from dave um well since uh we've we're we've veered down a road as we do in podcasting i'll take a short break to tell you about our sponsor the united states postal service second largest employer in the united states offering paid training and ways to move up apply today usps.com slash careers From mail carriers to corporate management, the USPS works together to provide efficient, affordable service to the American public. The workers are the backbone of its service, and the USPS wants to develop an advanced career so its development programs train and prepare employees for promotions and growth in a variety of business areas. Everything you need to know is at usps.com slash careers. That was a pause intentionally inserted into the live read. It's one of the devices that I use. I'd love to know if, if you guys thought it was effective. Very effective. I think I just confused everyone. Good speed. <laughs> it is the po- thank you. It is the policy of the Postal Service to provide equal employment opportunity. It kind of ruins the whole effect of the pause if you actually tell people that you're pausing. That, that this I, is true. I, I, I think you wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> I'm sure you only did it because we're here. Up. Also, laughing at your own jokes is another thing you shouldn't do. Provide equal oppor- employment opportunity and prevent employment discrimination. The Postal Service seeks to attract and retain a diverse workforce in which employees respect and value each other's differences and work to promote collaboration, flexibility, and fairness so that all employees are able to participate and contribute to their full potential. Apply today. Website, once again, usps.com slash careers, the United States Postal... Postal. I almost made it to the end without flubbing a line! But you know what? Nobody's perfect, and I'm okay with that. Thank you. The United States... I have communications coaches in the room telling me that it's okay to make a mistake here. We like imperfection. Yes, it it is... is, uh, It's life. Life is imperfect. United States Postal Service, deliver for the nation. My heart's swelling with patriotism. Uh, so it's funny, you said, Laura, you said good pace. And this is um, the podcast world is kind of an interesting case study. You can add like podcast coaching to uh, oh, your yes. arsenal. You, you yeah, really can. Yeah. yeah, because I'm, I'm actually working with a podcast coach because not even I am a perfect podcaster. How many perfect podcasters would it take to put to how does that go? How many uh, screwing the light bulb? I was trying to yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, glad you stop. I uh, glad you didn't stop at screw. The answer to the <laughs> the, <laughs> the answer to that is keep it PG. Two, one to screw in the light bulb, and then two to just talk ad nauseum about it for ninety minutes. That's what podcasters do. But uh, no, in the podcast world. Um, it's kind of its own thing now. And like what I just did was a live read. If you're lucky enough to have a sponsor, then, um, but it's not the same as like in radio where the ads are really produced up for whatever reason, this has developed as kind of the way and the, the sponsors, I hope our sponsor agrees. Um, they kind of like that because it, because the listener will, it's, it's, it's a very small amount of manipulation because the, the listener is listening to your cadence and your conversation all along. And if you throw in a little sponsor plug, they don't mind. And, and sometimes like Conan O'Brien, for example, on his podcast has a lot of fun, makes kind of jokes, inserts jokes and, 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 um, people dig it. And the sponsor is like, well, now we're memorable. Mm. So, um, uh, and I'm working with a podcast host named Eric Johnson, who's, Mm. who's awesome. Um, what are you working on? Um, I'm working on the. I'm working on getting better guests in here. Oh, no. oh yeah. see, we're the first oh. example. Oh, 
good one. No, we're the first example. Oh, we are. No, okay. that was a joke. Oh, right. Yes, yes. Oh, see, Tori, that's how you spin it around. You will not Nicely get your crown. Done. You will not get your crown from the queens. <laughs> no, you guys, you guys are awesome, and I've been looking forward to to this one. And no, that's not what I'm working on. I'm working on, I don't know, uh, structure. Uh, I'm working on. Um, he coaches me up on stuff like things you really should say within the first few moments of the podcast so that people aren't confused. Like sometimes I just start talking and it's like, Ooh, wait a minute. Sounds Ooh. like us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Organization. Yeah. It's, 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 it's right. It's organization setting the stage and you know, this, your advice I imagine would be more sophisticated than this, but it's that old advice we used to hear, you know, in high school, like tell people what you're going to say, say it, and then tell them what you said. Right. And so you tell them some, what's in it for them. Yeah. Oh yeah. See, yeah. We, we have a few, uh, that's a s- secret sauce. That's how to you, that. that's oh, how you cool. get their, uh, their, get their attention. I used to, well, tell me more about that. So a listener is very selfish. They're thinking, what am I going to gain by giving up the average, what, 600 words per minute that runs through the average brain? What am I going to gain by focusing and listening? As we can all attest as speech coaches and communication specialists, listening is probably the hardest skill to master. Yep, yep. There are a million distractions to it. People think ahead. They, if they're bored, they go off in their mind to other things. Did I take the chicken out of the freezer this morning? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. What am I doing this afternoon? So it's incumbent upon the speaker to really provide that hook through what they're going to gain specifically, mm-hmm. whether that be something that makes them more productive, makes them look better, makes them make more money, whatever it might be in that moment. And to have so have it up front and have it very specific. You don't want to have it at the end because they're like, oh shoot, now you tell me I would have paid attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think you're right. And it, it makes for a more pleasant experience if people tell you. And I like when they kind of set the bar like medium. Like they don't tell you by the time. Like let's not do the 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 infomercial thing. By by the time you're done listening to this speech, your life will be better. You will have five million more dollars than you did. Just minutes earlier and people will compliment you on the street on how handsome you are like it's 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 just i i like the the ones where they go i'm going to tell you you know a few stories about what life was like you know breaking into the biotech industry promise they're going to be interesting stories and by the end of it maybe you got a couple of tips that you could use in your career as well good like okay i'm good i'll I'll, i'm in for you know at least eight to 12 seconds uh so so i promised that we would play some clips from uh politicians and others giving speeches and have our experts weigh in yeah is that uh cool with you guys like i didn't want to take us too far away from what we were talking about because it was awesome but we have to practice this one well right well okay so here we go so 2020 (laughs) um I'd like to say this is a politics-free zone, but it's okay. Let, let the uh, opinions run wild. This is, uh, who do I have here? Beto? Is this Beto? This is Beto. I think this is, uh, yeah, I think it's Beto O'Rourke. And he has been asked a question about whether he opposes or favors, I believe, the NFL players taking a knee um, in uh, protest of violence against uh, African-Americans. Here we go. Again, on a really tough issue that if we don't talk about is not going to get better. And the question is, how do you feel about NFL players who take a knee during the national anthem? And is it disrespectful to this country, to the flag, to service members who are right there tonight where it is tonight in Afghanistan, and those former service members, retirees, and veterans who are here with us today? Thank you each for your service. 
Um, my, my short answer is no. I don't think it's disrespectful. Here's my, my longer answer, but I'm going try to try to make sure that I get this right um, because I think it's a really important question. And reasonable people, reasonable people can disagree on this issue. Let's begin there. And it makes them no less American to come down on a different conclusion on this issue, right? Um, you can feel as a young man does, you can feel as I do, you're every bit as American all the same. Um, but I'm reminded, somebody mentioned reading the, the Taylor Branch book. Um, you did. Um, Parting the Waters and the King Years. And, and when you read that book and find out what Dr. King and this nonviolent, peaceful movement to secure better, because they didn't get full, civil rights for their fellow Americans, the challenges that they faced, those who died in Philadelphia, Mississippi, for the crime of trying to be a man, trying to be a woman in this country, um, the, the young girls who died in the church bombing, um, those who were beaten within an inch of their life crossing the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama with John Lewis, um, those who were punched in the face, spat upon, dragged out by their collar at the Woolworth lunch counter for sitting with white people at the same lunch counter in the same country where their fathers may have bled the same blood on the Okay, I'm potting Beto down here a little bit. Um, we get the, the spirit of it for sure. Uh, let me just open up to you guys. What, what do you think? Well, I know style the, and the, the listeners can't see what we're seeing, right. but I can tell you his uh, hand gestures were a little bit out of control. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, too much. he's holding a, a wireless mic in one hand, which obviously he has to do. He's at a rally, and he is... Well, go ahead, uh, go ahead, Denise. He's shaking his hand pretty vehemently. He's, exactly. He's using <laughs> yeah. his, his one. He has one hand on the microphone, and right. the other hand is using very vehemently, vehemently vigorously, vehemently both. And it's <laughs> yeah. a distraction. I couldn't help. Yeah, I wasn't really bit. paying attention. I was watching his his hand, and it's a key thing that we help our our clients with is with those that we call the the nonverbals, i.e., body language, and anything that is distracting takes away from the message. Yeah. You don't want to get compared to Hitler when you're speaking, I think. It's like a Hitler homework. my client. <laughs> yes, go ahead. I would say let's tone it down mm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. Now, we appreciate and admire his passion. He's clearly very committed to his topics and, yep. and what he's, his message is. But it is almost, to me as a coach, nothing to do with his message, just to differentiate that that's good uh, yeah. uh it's too much it's it's overplayed uh therefore mm -hmm. i worry about the authenticity i worry it's a little bit m too much frosting on the cake well that's funny because i i was gonna say i like his details and i like the way this is not a prepared speech so i guess we should different this is obviously a town hall meeting but now he may have that as one of his little canned speeches in his head, mm -hmm. but it, it, it sounded pretty natural. Although to your point, Tori, you know, he gave, isn't there a magical rule of three, like give three examples and he true. got to number five or six. And that's when I, I turned his volume that's down because it was like, mm, all right. That's because he's a little much, but I would say that he, you know, although he's very uh, passionate, which I like, we would never want to take away his passion. He, um, he needs a little, I would say his, his speech, he has a pattern of speech, I'm sure we, you both picked up on that, that's da-da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da-da. Like staccato. It's, yeah. it's very repetitive. 
so it's an interesting combination of passion mixed with this repetition, which he is also uh, mirroring in his hand. Lori, your thought? I'll add a couple of thoughts mm-hmm. related to appealing to youth, because mm-hmm. Beto's one of the younger uh, candidates. Uh-huh. Uh, first of all, the casual look. Yeah, he's got his sleeves rolled up right, and no got, tie. Yeah. yeah. The other is, and I'm sure the listeners heard this, he is speaking to an incredibly friendly audience. Mm-hmm. And his emotional appeal at the end, repeating all the travesties that happened in the name of civil rights, I think is really going to uh, appeal to this particular audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, though he did have a cadence, there is a speech device called repetition. If you think of Martin Luther King's most famous words, I have a dream, there's nothing that special (laughs) about those words. It's Mm -hmm. how he used them and how he repeated them. The one thing I would say about the nonverbals, in addition to what uh, my colleague Deneen said, is that he did have an outstretched finger. And we we tend to say to our clients, use your whole hand. That's a good one. His fingers can have connotations and if <laughs> you're you're right it's funny i didn't even think of that i didn't even think of like yeah, giving someone the finger well. i thought of like just a kind of an evil professor kind of go or there, there's something yeah it's 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 it literally finger wagging that's what we're talking mm-hmm. about right you don't yeah, want to finger wag people because that most, seems condescending yeah most politicians they don't do the the one finger out they hold it like this yeah with the, with the, the finger it's a it's a fist. yeah so Danina's doing like kind of like a, a a fist but not not like I'm gonna punch someone I'm just kind of holding my fist thusly as if I'm uh, I think, who am I doing this I think Clinton was doing Clinton. like with the with the with, he, the, right. with the, the, the thumb that. on top of the of the fist just kind of presenting it forward like like uh, uh, I'm giving you a martini here here you go enjoy right. it and you um, notice with Trump <laughs> he does the yeah. rep- repetition yeah, of the hand like a stop almost a stop where well on the right. Yeah. Good segue, Tori. Let's 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 not keep our listeners in suspense any longer. Let's see what you think of our commander in chief and uh, It is the spirit, daring and defiance, excellence and adventure, courage and confidence, loyalty and love that built this country into the most exceptional nation in the history of the world, and our nation is stronger today than it ever was before. It is its strongest now. Our quest for greatness unleashed a culture of discovery that led Thomas Edison to imagine his light bulb, Alexander Graham Bell to create the telephone, the Wright brothers to look to the sky and see the next great frontier. For Americans, a weird pause there. Nothing is impossible. Exactly 50 years ago this month, The world watched in awe as Apollo 11 astronauts launched into space with a wake of fire and nerves of steel and planted our great American flag on the face of the moon. Half a century later, we are thrilled to have here tonight the famed NASA flight director who led mission control during that historic endeavor, the renowned Gene Kranz. Uh, Not the astronaut, the, uh, the president. Well, you Trump, he did have a teleprompter. And one thing yeah. I would say just to start off yeah, is, ahead. as yeah. a general rule, Trump d- does not do well with teleprompters. Yeah. And uh, I've never, I don't think I've ever used a teleprompter. Um, I've been told it takes some practice, you know. Yes. Uh, at, at, at least some practice because, 
you know, it's scrolling, right? It's scrolling. Right. And if you lose your place, you're, you're screwed, right? <laughs> Which he might have actually lost his place there. On, as we listened to a podcast audience, you probably thought, oh, that was a cool dramatic pause. The look in his eye was like, I'm not quite sure what's next. Right. Um, right. Anyway. Uh, let me clarify. Ahead, Lori. Yeah. The, te- yeah. the technician will keep up with you. Oh, I see. So there's actually teleprompter technicians. It's an actual uh, profession. Okay. Yeah, so, they don't have a podcast with us. I'm gonna say, I'm, I'm gonna say, this is Trump <laughs> ahead, at his best with reading a script. It's a bold um, statement. He controlled his language. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot he, of good vocal inflection. Mm-hmm. He, uh, and he was okay with what we call vocal variety. However, at the end of the sentence, watch how I'm going to sound bored. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sound bored, and he would tend to do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was more in control than usual because someone wrote it for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I can really say that for a fact, mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. based oh, sure. on I his mean, own, well, own admitted linguistic the language, level. Yes, it doesn't make it that different than many other presidents, of course. Of course. They have speechwriters, right? But, but yeah. the, well, Obama would take the speech... And you could, you know, there's lots of photos of his edits. Marking so I, it up with a pen. Yeah, may, I mean, I don't know if Trump did that or Trump not. Trump takes a speech and puts a cheeseburger on top of it and then wraps oh, it up and says, I can't are, wait to eat this later. This is going to be a good show <laughs> well, for 2020, let well, me tell you. Oh, I mean, I agree. I, Hot I, potato. No, I give you, and we don't have to make it super political. Oh, oh by the way, yeah, but am I making a super crazy bold statement by saying our, our uh, commander-in-chief is not the most impressive one we've ever had. I mean, come on, people. Anyway. We'll just but, talk about speech. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> look at that. We're alienating. No, the they, we we don't you want guys to, can't. Yeah, we don't want to alienate any clients. Of like. course. <laughs> They're all waving their finger at me right, right. now. Guys, you said not to do that. No, I'm just kidding. They're not doing that. No, Hello. we work with Red people States. from both sides of the aisle. We, we of course. Do. Of course. Yeah. And uh, I like that you give him credit. He, it's, it's, this demonstrates what a difference there is in him talking extemporaneously and him talking with a prepared speech. He's actually not bad when he sticks to the speech. Some of his little shimmies, I, yeah. I, I think, but you know what? I, I mean, no, the shimmies are funny. And on yeah. the, if you also notice, well, the obvious is the hand. He keeps giving us the stop on the right hand. The left hand doesn't move. It holds on to the podium. Uh, right. So there's no there's no variety of gesturing. There's no purposeful gesturing. It's purposeless. Uh, the other thing is he takes very deep breaths through his nose, and, yeah. and that's audible on the microphone. And I, I don't know if that's a way of dealing with stress or or what's going on. No, that's that's one of his hitches. And I guess that's what you guys do. You try to eliminate those if they're distracting to the listener. Exactly. And his his. I mean, there was one debate you'll remember where famously he just. He, and it's like, <laughs> it's like, and then they asked him about it. He said, my microphone was broken. Um, but so that, that would be something you'd try to eliminate. But um, uh, yeah, it's interesting you noticed it because I thought it was relatively subtle in this one. Let's do, you guys got time for maybe just a couple more? We'll, we'll go cookies. We do this all day. Yeah? Oh, okay. We do do this all day. Exactly. <laughs> All right. This is, happens to be another uh, candidate for president, Senator uh, Kristen Gillenbrand. Six months and eight days ago, A story broke in the New York Times that lit a match on a fire that is still burning. It was about Harvey Weinstein. But as we all know, it was about much more than that. It was about the systemic devaluation of women in our society. It was about the abuse of power. It was about the pervasiveness of sexual assault and sexual harassment that women experience every day across America within the existing power structure of society. 
It was a moment when this scourge finally began to come out of the shadows. And many of the people in this room helped give that, give that fire the oxygen that it needed to burn. None more so than Tarana Burke. All right, let's uh, pause it there. Uh, what do you think? Thoughts? I think she overall is a good speaker. She reminds me of some of our more talented uh, speakers that we coach. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the female executives who do give speeches. If I were coaching her, I might tell her with her hands, take up more space. So your gestures, you want them to be somewhat outside your body. And this is a little hard to explain on the radio, yeah. as opposed to uh, you know within your chest. She's yeah, not. She, d- she's yeah. not doing. Oh, go ahead. No, no. I was just gonna. I'm just to to narrate a little bit. She she is gesticulating. It looks like she has a plan, but uh, oh, until well, now she's doing a little more, Laurie. We're looking at it without sound, but um, yeah, she, it seems like she's keeping her fists kind of close to her body, and you're saying that that might suggest uh, that she's a little too delicate. In, in the in the name of boldness, there's there's really only one politician I can think of who needed to compress himself, and that was Clinton, and that's mm. why he used the, the closed fist so quickly. Because I want my other colleagues um, to sure. comment as well. Uh, she uh, was fluent. She had her teleprompters. Uh, she's not doing well in the polls, and so I, know, I yeah. think in our future, she looks shows, great, doesn't she? Uh, well, she looks. She looks very. Uh, you know, I, I want to parse my words carefully. Put together, yeah. She's just uh, like she has her act together. That's right. what I, I would say. And two, two Go more ahead. things. Go ahead, Laura, yeah. One's big thing, and one's a small thing. I might work on helping her to lower her voice about twenty percent. Mm-hmm. And the bigger thing I want to say is that I work closely with an organization called Gender Avenger. And what they do is they, they count the amount of minutes or presence of women on a panel or debates. Uh-huh. So we are finding there's uh, uh, less journalists writing about the female candidates than they are about the male thank candidates. God I Enough have, said. Thank God I have the three of you guys on today. It just kind of boosted the gender equality right no, I have plenty of women on the show. Uh, Deneen, any thoughts on Kirsten I would just Gillenberg? like to um, jump on one of the things that Lori had said mm-hmm. about space, taking up space. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes women, for various reasons, we, we don't take up space. And mm-hmm. it's a lot of one of the things that all three of us work on when we're working with women. We don't want them to look like a man or sound like a man, but to come across as much more... Uh, confident. This is kind of out of the Sheryl Sandberg philosophy of lean in, right? Like, don't, don't, exactly, don't act like. You, well, um, women, sadly, some have been conditioned to to be the one to keep your voice down in the room, and that's uh, the, that's not the way to go. Exactly. Right. Okay. So Sheryl Sandberg talks about. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here, I believe, but you know, having a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. We help them not just have a seat at the table, but be actual to have a presence at the table and get their message and ideas across and taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree, Lori, Tori? Tori. Yeah, so uh, I'm getting off track. You said yeah. having a seat at the table, and then when once you have the seat, claiming the seat. Yeah, claim the and, seat. And looking like you belong there. Yeah, exactly. sit on the Iron Throne, Sansa. I can't tell you how many female <laughs> clients I've said, literally, own it. You're not yeah. owning it. Yeah. Own it. Yeah, and, and so Kirsten could do a little bit better job at that. I mean, I think it's, uh, yeah, there are moments here where she's, it, it, yeah, it's almost like she's intentionally being subdued, like to be calm. And, it could you know, also be, Dave, the, uh, point. the venue. So True. she's speaking, it appears to be some sort of fundraiser for a cause. I, 
I yeah, full would power prefer w- to see her more people. in a um, maybe on the debate stage. That might have been interesting yeah. as she, re- you know, compares to her male colleagues, et cetera, et cetera. But she did start with a with a story, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is very appropriate for the venue she was in. Right? Uh, I mean, that's what I tell all my podcasters: when in doubt, tell a story. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. tell a story True. because you, you're because stories have beginnings, middle, and end, and. Unless it's a terrible story, you you kind of want to know how it turns out. This is why on TV uh, variety sh- not variety shows like talk shows. This is why they have cooking segments, in my opinion, because I like the. Do you like the cooking segments on like? I you like know, watching cooking shows, and yeah, I've never cooked generally. in my life. Cooking, <laughs> right, right. You don't have to because they're doing it for you, and it, somehow we get tricked into into ignoring that we don't get to actually eat the thing at the end. Mm. But if they, they do that thing on like uh, tell I don't know like Letterman or, or Kimmel or you know anybody would have well we're gonna do cooking with Emeril and he comes in and he's making the stuff and for some reason I just I'll keep watching until it's done. I want to see what it's like when it turns out at the end. So that's what I'm saying. If you tell a story, when I, I used to be a writer at Lawyers Weekly and my the favorite pieces I write would be something that had a line at the beginning that made you, it was a, such a dirty trick but um, I wrote a piece once where um, I think the opening line of the story was um, the judge looked at the man in the courtroom and said you sent this to your ex-wife this box on my on my bench and he, um, you know what is it and then I didn't tell the reader what it was until like the last line of the column and everybody wanted to know what this uh, you know embittered ex-husband had sent to her wife. It was uh, a. Do you want to know? Yeah. <laughs> it was a stuffed animal that had some emotional uh, value to his ex-wife, and it was sent in a in like a um, kind of a mocking way. Yeah. Coffin. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I mean, that's not even that mean, Lori. No, gosh, no. I've, I've I've had black roses sent to me and cut up. Hopefully not cards. from your clients. Oh. I can't wait for this podcast to get rolling, man. We that, got that's more. That's not even mean. All right, we'll do. We'll do one more. Do you guys want Elizabeth Warren or Oprah? Ooh, what a Hobson's choice. Well, Elizabeth Which? Warren, I guess, because Oprah's universally wonderful. Okay, we'll payday do Elizabeth. lending. Who are trying to make it paycheck to paycheck? When a government works great for those at the top and for no one else. That is corruption, pure and simple, and we have to call it out. And the impact of that corruption is felt everywhere. For a generation now, adjusted for inflation, incomes are basically flat in this country. But what has happened to expenses? The cost of housing, up more than two-thirds. The cost of a health insurance premium more than doubled. The cost of sending a kid to school more than tripled. The cost of childcare up five times. The squeeze on working families is real. And the squeeze on families of color is deliberate. Let me let me just make one pitch here. We've known for generations okay, but one way that working families build wealth <laughs> is they do it by buying homes. You know the advantage, you get an asset, it appreciates over time, you get it paid off. So it's no surprise to learn that starting back in the 1930s, the US government started subsidizing the purchase of housing for white people. 
for black people. Okay, I'm going to pot her down because uh, they discriminate. She's just launching into something here. Uh, no offense, uh, Senator. By the way, I, I, she's like supposed to be one of our own. She was I just. I'm, I was trying to figure out the accent. She was born in Oklahoma. Did you know that? Didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. No, I did, um, but... Uh, yeah. What are you, no, what are you hearing in her accent? Nothing. That's my point. Oh, okay. you're saying she didn't have a Boston accent? I, yeah, I want a little Boston But hardly there. anybody has a Boston accent. What? So, who are you hanging he's out missing, with? He's missing the Kennedys is what's going on. They had a Boston accent. Uh, I will not have you come into my American studio and tell me that I, there's no fucking Boston <laughs> accent. <around here. laughs> All right? All right? Weird. Listen, long story, long story shut. Long story shut. The uh, Boston accent was voted the second sexiest accent. Oh, oh come on. I know. Second only to those, those dopes down in Texas. Now I'm losing my own Boston accent. That's terrible. Okay. All right. Uh, Liz Warren. Yeah. Uh, breathing. I, I sense a breathing issue here uh, in terms of... <laughs> like she's taking breaths. Yeah. So she's breathing probably... I don't know. Lori, you, you understand a lot more in terms of speech and, and, and the... Like the mechanics. The mechanics. Yeah. But I would say it sounds like she's not breathing diaphragmatically. You can hear there's a, a waffling of the voice. At times she sounds like she's going to cry. Uh, this is a lot of passion. She clearly gets jazzed up by her audience. As Lori would point out, she's in a very friendly audience right now, so she's feeding mm. off of that. Uh, very similar to wh- the way Beto did. Uh, but I, I get a little... I would, If I were her coach, I would say, again, we need to tone this down. You're at least uh, it vary it, right? Can be, yeah. It can be a little... It, it sounds like she's yelling at us at times or we're being scolded. <laughs> and I know that's yeah. not the intent, and I would hope that's not the intent. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you just said. You guys, yeah. what, do you, what do you think? I was say, can, passion yeah. is good. Right. But like Tori said, you need to sometimes... Tone it down a little so bit. So say you're given a 10-minute speech. Do you guys have any, like, rules of thumb? Like, in a 10-minute speech, your voice should raise to its hilt once, twice, three times. The way I'd put it is <laughs> the more of you that shows. So th- what I'd work on uh, with Elizabeth Warren is mm-hmm. range, mm. especially if she's not with a friendly audience. So... Let's say in that 10 minutes, maybe there's times that you're serious and calm. Maybe you're telling a story and you're reminiscing and it, it's humorous or striking yeah. or dramatic. So the more range, remember, your listeners may not know you that well. Mm-hmm. So your goal is to have as much of yourself that you want to show. You don't want to show everything <laughs> in the time Speak that you for have. yourself, yeah. <laughs> That's, I had a professor in law school who was the, uh, he taught uh, dispute resolution, and he was talking about negotiating, and he's just this funny kind of old Jewish guy, and he said, well, you're not going to give up all your facts when you're in a negotiation. I mean, come on, you're in the schoolyard, you know, you're you're only taking off one piece of clothes at a time, right? And we can, <laughs> he got away with it because he was cute. this funny old guy. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I think... What you just said, range is that that s- speaks to me, so to speak. <laughs> uh, stick with me, guys. Yeah, um, not even a courtesy laugh. Thanks. Right, you can ha- you can have a style like you're so funny <laughs> and surprising. That could be, you, everyone has a style. No, but I'm, range is important. But no, yeah, no, I'm saying range. Like um, it, uh, to me, a good speech will have. Uh, you know, it may have a crescendo, but it may have. I'm thinking of uh, a, maybe I should have called this one up. 
uh, Jim Valvano's speech, you know, the former uh, uh, NC State basketball coach who died of cancer and gave a speech. Uh, you know, he was a couple months away from death and he knew it. I don't know if did you guys remember that. No, no um, I'd love to listen. And, yeah, at, at some point, when we have you back, we'll, we'll, I'll play some of Jimmy V's, but just very inspirational. And he, he told stories and stories. And then he, he saved for the end. He said, you know, every day, um, if you have, if you laugh once, if you cry once, and you, I don't forget what the third thing was, hug, hug somebody maybe or something, then you've had a pretty full day. And at the end was his crescendo. But he didn't just kind of. He, he didn't cry through the whole thing. He didn't scream through the whole thing. There are moments where he looks sad. There are moments where, he, and um, and then there are moments when he just kind of paused. And I've noticed before when I do public speaking, it's actually as long as you don't overdo it. You guys tell me if I'm right or not. It's a pretty cool way of bringing people back because when you pause, if you, if there's just silence, God forbid, if anyone's on their phone, they're gonna look up thinking that they just got busted for looking at their phone probably, or they're gonna be like oh, what happened? Did he just forget his speech or whatever? And no, you're just standing there looking at him, like getting ready to serve up the next thing. There are Do I have something there? main elements of how we coach folks in terms of pausing and, and, the, and embracing silence. Mm-hmm. One is to allow the listeners to process what's been said. This mm-hmm. is the first time they've heard this information. It could be detailed, etc. Allow them to process. The second is to transition between two different topics. So Lori and Deneen and I will coach you on how you look, and then we will coach you on how you sound. Mm. You notice I didn't fill that with a lot of ahs and ums, the vocalized pauses. You notice that I, I spun my eyes around and, and made <laughs> eye contact with you when you paused, because, uh, you know. You're like, what's coming next? Yeah. And then that leads perfectly, Dave, me. to the third reason, which is you want to create a little anticipation in the listener as to what comes next. So I have great news, everyone. Our sales are up 50%. You know, you're just, you, that's one way of delivering. And then you say, I have great news, everyone. Sales are up 50%. Yeah. So, you Second know, you're really so building that up. <laughs> so um, that takes practice and it takes uh, knowledge of what you want to drive home with your listeners. And it takes a wonderful speech coach. <laughs> oh, yes, Look at exactly. us. He brings it around. Shrewd. <laughs> Uh, the speech queens, they are. But uh, wait, I need to add one more thing because what you just said reminded me of something. Um, and I can't help myself. Uh, so the the idea of, of pausing and creating an anticipation is great for public speaking, as you said. I think it also applies in everyday meetings or, or things. I, I, my example is uh, I used to work for a financial firm, Alliance Bernstein, and went on went on a couple meetings with the CEO, the the big cheese, uh, Peter Kraus, who was very impressive guy, just thoughtful. Um, struck quite a figure. He was on the, the cover of financial magazines and stuff. So he was a big deal. And every once in a while, he'd come to Boston and, do you have any clients or people you'd like me to meet with? I'd sit with him and he would, and I would bring in people that would naturally be impressed by this guy. And he would do this thing where he would kind of stop what he was saying, kind of in the middle. He, he would say something like, and so we have discovered that this is a benefit to our bond portfolio. And then he'd just stop. And, and kind of look right at the person. And the person would uh, almost every time f- freak out a little bit and then just start talking because they, they felt like the, 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 I'm supposed to say something now. Uh, blah, 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 blah. And, and it's funny because then, it, it, I mean, not necessarily he was trying to seize power of the meeting, but talk about having somebody eating out of your hand. Like it's like a, it's a great negotiation mm-hmm. technique. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Okay. Well, as I was saying, the Speech Queens coming soon to uh, pod617.com. I told you guys the time was going to fly by, and we went way over, but it was worth it to uh, to, to start this journey with you guys. It's it's Tori Hollingworth, Laurie Schloff, and Deneen Grabley, and that will be the, the podcast coming up. By the way, check the show notes of this particular episode, this podcast, if you want to know how to get in touch with each one of them, and you'll learn the info on like, who they work for. We didn't want to like muck it up today because we had so much cool stuff to get to. Have I forgotten anything, my friends? No? Final thoughts? Are you looking forward to the podcast? Yeah, this, this was a blast with a lot of range. At, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, thank you for joining uh, us on the Boston Podcast. And if you like this podcast, please share it with a friend or a colleague or an enemy. Really, anyone. We'll, we'll take it. And by the way, as I said earlier in the show, if you want your own podcast, you should visit us here at our Westwood Studios. Nice here, right, guys? You like what we've done yeah, with the place? Cozy. Yeah. Bring on the wine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> just was just about to say that. As long as it's after. Uh, it's afternoon. Actually. It's afternoon. Yeah. Oh, it is okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the bell just rang. Head for the hills. It's Miller time. Thanks again. Uh, Pod617.com is where you go if you want to uh, get your own podcast. Find out how to get involved. And on behalf of Tori, Lori, and Deneen, the Speech Queens. This is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston. You must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. You must be the other guy.